I mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, God spoke to my heart about this year being uh, just a theme for this year being a year of transformation. Uh, and I know you start saying words like transformation, people get afraid. What in the world is he going to do now? Uh, we're going to tear down everything and we're going to... No, I'm just kidding. Anytime you start talking about a new year or things coming about, there's always... Some people look at a new year as though it's a, it's a great thing and wow, what a great chance to, to obey God and to serve God in a new year. And what's God going to do this year? And then other people are going, what's going to happen this year? You know, the, a new year will bring about some excitement. It'll bring about some fears and some concerns. And uh, why do you think so many people uh, go and talk with psychics uh, around the new year? Wanting what this new year is going to bring, you know? Some people are saying, oh no, the world's going to end in 2012. And some, some sick-minded, weird Christians are going, I hope it does. Hope it does. <laughs> Listen, I... They're, the world's full of all kinds of things and, and fears and stuff, and then people start making resolutions, like your pastor. The he must increase and I must decrease resolution has begun again. And just so you know, I have decreased five pounds since I've started that. Pastor Sam says, it's just water weight. And I said, I don't care, it's five pounds. Get out of my face. We'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> and then people start saying, well, I'm going to improve this. I'm going to improve that about myself. I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm in this year, I, I resolve to be a nicer person, you know, or I resolve to be honest, or I resolve to whatever, you know, and people want to make their, to lose weight or whatever. But when it comes down, and I said this a few weeks ago again in our Bible study, which doesn't seem like we've had for a month, Good grief. But anyway, we, the Bible study we talked about said, hey, you know, when people start talking about spiritual or morality things in their lives, they start thinking, well, you know, I'm going to stop cussing. Or I'm going to stop uh, looking at pornography. Or I'm going to stop lying. Those things, there's, the Spirit of God's involved with that. People don't naturally want to just be good moral people. They don't see anything wrong with that. So we know that this time of year is a time where we just came through a month where we've talked all about Christ. People come up to the new year and they start really thinking about who they are and what they're doing and things they've done this last year and try to better themselves. So this year we're starting out our, our year with a seven-week series called Extreme Makeover God Edition. Uh, I'm sure most of us have seen the television show Extreme Makeover, uh, Home Edition, where it's got Ty Pennington in it, and he's got the hair, you know. <laughs> welcome home, Fairchild family, welcome home. That's what he says. That's all he says, the whole show. <laughs> welcome home. Hey, what we're going to do is we're going to go in this room and we're going to design it and make it really cool for you. Go on vacation and come back. <laughs> okay, Ty, a little less on the caffeine, buddy, if you could. Uh, you know, but the reality of it is, is people love that. They get into that. They think it's exciting. And our verse we're going to really, this, this whole series is focused around, is 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. What the Spirit of God laid on my heart last November for this was the fact that I think sometimes... We Christians, we, we get saved or we have a lot of church functions and we really forget that this power is really the power to transform lives. This power that we talk about, God is powerful and is able and willing and is today transforming lives. 
I was excited to see so many young people baptized uh, Wednesday night. For those of you that were here, uh, it's exciting, and I'm sure that there's going to be many, many more to come. I, I'm excited when anybody, especially a young person, steps up and says, hey, the Lord has saved me, and I'm going to obey Him. It's exciting to me when God takes a life and he transforms it and begins to change it. Now on that show, we've seen it a thousand times. Some of us have, some of us haven't. They, what they do is they come in and they say, hey, this is what's wrong with your house and your life and all this stuff. And in a seven-day time period, they get things set up and they get things fixed for them. And, and of course, the new home fixes everything. You know that, right? God challenged me. He said, Bob, there, there are people that, that need an extreme makeover in their life, and they're not allowing me to do it. And so what we're going to do, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to take seven weeks, and we're going to see the process by which God does transformation. I love the show because it's predictable. You know what's going to happen, and yet everybody still cries at the end of it. We'll get more into that here in a few minutes. Seven days to build a new home versus seven days of creation is a parallel of seven days of what it takes to build a temple of the Holy Spirit here. Let's just begin Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Father God, I just pray that You would anoint this message, touch our hearts, God, and use it for Your will. Amen. God starts with a mess, church. Now, there's all kinds of theological differences in regards to, to verse 1 of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There are people that argue that there was a, there was a pre-creation that was gone, and now there's a recreation going on, and all these things. And then there are people who say, oh no, that happened instantly. And Listen, I'm not going to get into all that today. What I want to focus on is the fact that God saw fit and saw necessary for us to see the condition of the earth before he started fixing it. Okay? What I want us to focus on is the fact that the condition was like this. It was formless. In other words, what does formless mean? It has no order. It has no order of shape. It, 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 things aren't set in proper order yet. It was, it was empty. Empty of what? Well, we know it wasn't empty because there was water there, right? There was water on the earth, and we know there was earth, so there, was earth there, so there had to be some kind of, of, of land mass, and there had to be water over the whole surface of it, and so, so it wasn't really empty in sense. What was it empty of? Well, it was empty of life. It was void of life. It was void of anything that could produce life whatsoever. There was water around it, and it was, that was it, and the Spirit of God's hovering over it. And what, what, what else was in there? Darkness, deep darkness over the deep. There was no light. Light had not even been created yet, folks. There was no light. God looked at this situation and He saw that there was darkness over the deep, that there was no life in it, and that there was, there was no shape, there was no order, there was nothing good. And for you and I to sit there and look into this situation, we could look at it and we could judge in the same mindset and say, wow, you know what, what a worthless thing, what, 
Why even waste your time on it? There's not anything good there. There's no way to grow anything. There's no way to have any kind of life. And we got to remember that when we look into situations, this is what we've got to grasp throughout this whole series. We must be cautious of how we look at situations because when we look through our eyes, it looks impossible. But we have to remember that our God is the God of the impossible. Amen? And He looks into this impossible mess. And through this impossible mess, He sees a potential for a masterpiece. Just as somebody that's got the skills, a skilled craftsman in pottery, would sit down with a lump of mud on a turntable. And the thing starts spinning. And they start working the mud. And they start working up the clay until it, until it becomes this beautiful, priceless piece of pottery. And it's, it's gorgeous. You and I, we can't do that. Because most of us here, I don't think anybody's skilled in that. Are you? Is anybody skilled in that? I didn't think so. So we look at it and we go, I'm going to make a mess of that. If you slop that on a thing in front of me, I've never tried turning it before. I'd just start messing with it. It'd get so high and then I guarantee it would all fold up. And I'd have to start over again. God isn't like that. God is the master craftsman, folks. He is the master maker of all things. He even used this pottery example in the Old Testament. Go to the potter's field, look and see what you see. And they start seeing the pieces and how, how the, the, the clay is marred in his hands and he can rework and redo. Our God is a God of transformation. He's a God of change. He's a God of direction, a God of work. It's just like yesterday, I got the honor and privilege of, of unloading a bunch of wood on a trailer up into a window to three men, me and myself handed it up to them. One of them's in the room, and I'm not going to name his name. It's good for me to sweat and work and breathe heavy, folks. Trust me, it is good for me. But can I, I can tell you this, a lot of people have a hard time looking at, at, at oak uh, boards that have been dried and come fresh from the sawmill and have a hard time looking at it and seeing anything good. If you didn't know any better, you would think they were just nasty old boards that were laid out there somewhere. There's walnut and there's oak. They're beautiful boards that, that a craftsman would look at them and say, hey, you know what? If I take this board and I plane it and I get it smoothed out and I start running the, and, through the joiner and getting the edges right, I can start putting them together. Instead of seeing a junky pile of wood, all of a sudden they start seeing beautiful cabinets. Something that some people would look at as worthless and, and the other all of a sudden saying, wow, no, 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 there's hope here for this yet. There's hope. And then there's other, per, other people that would like to chisel out sculptures and things. You see a giant square piece of rock. What am I supposed to do with this? Can you imagine these people going and looking at Stonehenge? I could start chiseling on that. I'd make something really cool. Everybody looks at Stonehenge and says, what in the world is all that mess? And another guy come up and say, if you give me a hammer and chisel, I can make some really cool sculptures out of all those big rocks. See, when, when, when God, the master craftsman, has put a craft in somebody, an ability in somebody, they'll use it. But we have to understand that we are made in God's image, and he's placed that in people as an example of his life-transforming work. We see it in nature, folks. All you have to do is look at the caterpillar and the butterfly. You don't have to go any further than that. Our God is a God of transformation. And He looks into this impossible situation. He sees a mess, but He says, I see a mess, but I'm going to tell Him it's a mess. I'm going to tell Him that it's empty. I'm going to tell Him that it's, it's, it's void of shape. And I'm going to tell Him that it's full of darkness, just so they can see what I can do. He looked at the mess and He said, Masterpiece. Mm. 
awesome that he could look at that and see mountains that weren't developed yet. Streams that weren't developed yet. Oceans that weren't developed yet. Things that were not in place yet that God looked at it and said, I see a future and a hope for this thing. You getting the picture yet? Obviously, God looks at you and I in much the same way. Before the light shines into our lives, we are formless and we are full of disorder. Proof of that is in Romans chapter 3 and many, many other places throughout the Bible. You're going to find people with their lives full of disorder. You're going to find people where their lives were messed up and how God transformed them. But Romans 3, listen to this. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that the Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. Now that Jews and Gentile being the people that God chose, God's chosen people, and a Gentile, anybody that's not God's chosen people, anybody that's not a Jew, in other words, everybody, everybody's the same, right? So we look at it and it says Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers are in their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways in the way of peace. They do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You tell me, is that a hopeless condition? <laughs> How many of you have been there before? Just me. Okay, good. We'll move on. Even at our best, church, even at our best, this is as high as we can achieve in God's sight. Even when we're the best people, I don't care how many New Year's resolutions you make. I don't care how many pounds you lose, how nice you are to people, how honest you are. I don't care what you do. This is the best we can get without Jesus Christ. Really. It is. In God's sight and in His holiness, that's as good as it gets. We're not going to get any better than that. It's a really hopeless situation apart from Jesus Christ. Secondly, our lives are empty of true life. We're, like the earth, we're empty. We're void of life. Our righteousness, church, our righteousness places this desire for things that we chase after things and we want things and, and we, we start making our own laws and our own rules and our own religions. This is right. This is wrong. Based upon what standard? On God's standard? No. Because we don't fear God. We're going to do it based upon my standard on what I want. So what we do is we go into a deeper depravity where we think we found life and we're empty. Have you ever got everything you wanted and still been empty? We are apart from Christ. I always love the old thing where uh, somebody tried to lead somebody to Christ and they always go to him and say, well, there's a void in your heart that only God can fill. It's still true. You're empty without Christ. Without the life and the light of Christ, we're empty. John 10.10 10 shows us his purpose to come and to transform us. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What that's saying is, is he looked into our helpless, hopeless, pathetic, muddy, watered lives full of darkness. And he said, you know what? I've come to bring you life. I've come to set things in order. I've come to put life in you and to wipe away the darkness. How many of us, even though we thought we had life, we had, thought we had some order, we were still full of darkness? Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. 
What a pathetic situation to be in. If I'm chasing after wickedness, I wonder why I fall over and over and over again. I wonder why I look up and every year I find myself in the exact same place, in the exact same sin, with the exact same addictions, with the exact same... All, I mean, we could go through the whole list. Why is that? Probably because we're chasing after things we don't need to be chasing after. The way of the righteous is the one that is like dawn just starting to sprinkle upon, up on the ground. Friends, when the light of Christ comes into our heart and righteousness takes over our lives, it's a speck of hope. It's a light that only gets brighter and grows from glory to glory to glory to glory until the day that we are like Chuck standing before Jesus Christ. That is the call of God. Transformation. Starting here and working from there. God's saying, I know you think it's hopeless over here. I know you look like a muddied water mess. But oh, just wait. i got big plans for you. And everybody looks in and goes, that's a worthless mess and hopeless. And God said, oh, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm going to make this one a preacher. <laughs> and everybody goes, Listen, folks, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful to not look at people and say impossible. I'm going to take a drink of water and I'm going to say it again. So you got time to muster up an amen. We've got to be careful to not look at people and say impossible, and we've all done it. Amen? Well, that's an impossible situation right there. <laughs> we've got to be careful. You say, why? Why do we need to be careful about that? We need to be careful because when we say something is hopeless, we minimize the power of God and we go against what he himself as the master craftsman has chosen to do in people's lives. When we say we're a child of God, a believer in Jesus Christ, and we look at an individual and we say that individual is not worth the effort, that's impossible. They'll never come to Christ. What we have done is we have set ourselves up in defiance to the power of God. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Pastor Bob, it's hard. It's been so long and I've tried so long and I've prayed so long and we've worked and we've worked and we've worked. Listen, I understand that. It's okay to be tired, but it's wrong to say God is not able. It's faithlessness, isn't it? It's not faith. You see, I'll give you an example in the Bible and Scripture where um, the rich man comes to Jesus and, and uh, he goes away and chases after his wealth again and says, I'm just going to go do that. And, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, hey, look, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that obviously freaked the disciples out. They're going, what? And they looked at each other and said, well, Lord, well, who then can be saved? Because in their culture, in their day, the rich people were the spiritual people. In their day, the rich people, the wealthy people, were the ones that were blessed of God. If you were poor, it was because you had sin in your life. In that day, they're sitting there going, oh my goodness, if, this, if, if the righteousness of the rich, it's that hard for them to get in, how much harder is it going to be for us poor people that are full of sin? How hard is it going to be if, if, if it's that hard for that man who's done all this good all of his life, how hard is it going to be for the rest of us wretches that have deep darkness in our poor sinful lives? And Jesus encouraged them with these words and said, hey, look, with man this is impossible. But with God, 
all things are possible. What we need to do in this season of transformation, in this season of extreme makeover, God edition, is for us to stop saying that's not possible. It's time for us to stop standing back and accepting the things that we've always dealt with the way they are and say, ah, it's just me, it's just who I am, it's what I deal with. And to say, you know what, God's bigger than this. The family situations, the home situations, the people situations, the person we've been praying for and praying for and you get so frustrated with it, you want to quit and give up, it's time for us to stop saying God can't and say God not only can, He will bless God. Because God is the God of the impossible. If you don't believe me, look. It, my point isn't to go through all of my stuff, of, of my history and who I am. You've heard that enough throughout this, this whole series. We're going to have several different people give a testimony in relation to some of the stuff that we've been dealing with and will be dealing with uh, that we're going to share with people out of our church. If you want to get that video ready, that'd be great. But we, we, we're going to have that up there because you've heard me a thousand times. But did you know that God changes lives all through this house? There's testimonies of God's work and grace and mercy all through this house, isn't it? Isn't it? Because God is God and God is good, church. He's powerful, He's able, and He's willing. And He is going to change lives. And I believe that through this series we're going to see how His light's going to come into our lives and the work that He does in an individual. We all may be at different parts of our transformation, but folks, He's changing lives. He's changing, he's changing churches. He's changing workplaces. He's changing schools, and He's doing it through people. Amen? Amen. Run the video, please. I was one of those messed up situations that Pastor Bob was talking about. Um, I remember in my life was not the greatest. Uh, I wasn't raised as, as a Christian individual. Um, I lived a life that was just totally um, away from, from God. Um, uh, I, got, I got in trouble a lot with the law. I mean, um, when I was six years old, I had family members tell me I was, I was just, you know, a troublemaker, worthless. I'm going to turn before I turn 21. I'm, I was going to spend all my life in jail or or dead. Um, so that's what I heard. So I lived that life, and so I got in trouble a lot with with teachers in school. I got in trouble with the law. Um, I got hooked up on drugs and alcohol before I turned before I turned 15 years old, 16 years old. And um, I remember the first time I got arrested when I was when I was 15. Um, it escalated to some really heavy stuff and. Um, when I was 16 years old, I got arrested for the first, uh, second time for, for attempted murder. We just saw some crazy stuff go on, and um, things were just, just going downhill. Um, when, when it was to the point where I was no longer um, realizing that, you know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail if I keep acting the way I am. Um, when I was seven, 16 years old, I got arrested, and this was a serious thing for arson. I did some stuff, was not, was not doing so well. And, um, and I was looking at uh, some jail sentence, some time to go to jail, not just to jail, but to prison. And um, I was done living it. So my mom kind of moved me out of where we were living. Uh, we moved away from the problems and tried to get back on track and uh, got involved more with sports, but got really heavy involved with alcohol. I graduated high school. Um, not too happy of how I graduated high school, but I, I got graduated, went to go to college. and got really into drugs and alcohol and I failed out of college. I failed out of uh, a university. I failed out of um, 
uh, community college. Uh, it was just not looking right. And I remember a time I wanted just to end everything, you know. So I wanted to, to commit suicide. And um, I was going to write it up. I had it all ready to write down, and my mom invited me to church. And in that day, when I was 20 years old, um, I heard a preacher speak um, about transformation, about how his life was transformed from his old past to where he's at now. And I said, man, if, if that if God, God that he's talking about can do that to him, and he could do it to me. Um, and I said, I just wanted that. And he told a story of a, of a kid... Um, of a lady whose daughter died of HIV and, and how the daughter gave birth to a baby and had AIDS um, and was healed. And I thought, if God can heal that baby, take care of this, take this guy from where he's at, then he can transform my life. Um, and that night, I went to the altar and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He transformed me from what I used to be, a low life thought. My life was nothing. People thought it was nothing. People thought I was going to be in jail um, or dead before 21. I had friends that have committed murder and, and, and uh, they're in jail for some stuff. And, and that was where I was heading, but God rescued me. I remember when I was six years old, uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, who was a, a Baptist preacher, told my family that I was going to be a preacher. And everybody laughed. And, uh, and when, I got, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I remembered what my family told me that my grandfather said. And uh, you see, sometimes God takes um, people who are down and out and who looks like their lives are just complete mess and says that, you know, people think that is is a waste, but God says, I have something better and, and, and great in store for these individuals. And um, when I was 21 years old, I remember getting called by God to be a youth pastor in a huge conference where these young people are at. And they were worshiping, and, and we were all worshiping, and God told me to open my eyes, and he said, look around, this is your future. Um, and ever since he said that, I didn't change. I, I just went for it 100%, and uh, God has led us here in Covington, and God has transformed my life from uh, a waste to a precious, amazing things that are going on in our life. And we look forward to seeing what God's going to do. And um, So when I see people who are hurt and down and out and I can believe that God can transform them because he transformed me he can transform them he can even transform you um, thank you and God bless so obviously not every every testimony is going to be that harsh not every testimony is going to be that rough and Pastor Sam could probably go for an hour or more about all the things he's dealt with in his life and that God has delivered him from but I thought Sam, Pastor Sam if you could just share quickly some things uh, for this one because Nobody else understands what it means when somebody else looks in and says, that's absolutely hopeless. Nothing good will come out of it. <laughs> and people say, that's impossible. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. I think I can do something with this one. There is life in him yet. You know what I mean? God is a God of transformation, but something that Pastor Sam said in his testimony that is really, really important for us to grasp is that there was something, he went to church and a man said, a man shared his testimony, a man shared what God had done in his life. And, and my second point is that transformation always begins with revelation. Transfer, transformation always begins with revelation. You say, what does that mean? What, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor Bob? Well, the reality of it is, is that some of us, before we will transform our bodies, must first realize the unhealthy way we've been living. And when that revelation will come about, a new understanding of the change that needs to take place. Amen? 
That's what happens at New Year's a lot of times. That's what happens with me a lot of times. Then there's the situation where people will realize the need in, in the revelation and the understanding of it. That's what happened at creation. Light came in. <clears throat> Massive light created. Light and darkness separated. What we have to understand and grasp, folks, is that this light is not the light that we see today. I'm going to take you somewhere with this. Four days later, Scripture says that God made the sun and the moon and the stars. Four days later. So what light was shining for four days? The light of the world. Jesus Christ. The light that shines into the darkness and pierces all darkness out of everything. That was the revelation. The revelation that we have that will transform our lives is Jesus Christ. That revelation that started it for Pastor Sam, when he responded to that altar call, he knelt down that altar and said, Lord, forgive me my sins. I realize my condition. And he says, hey, whoa, boom, light pierces in. The Holy Spirit was hovering over him, waiting for him to say yes, waiting, 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 drawing. And the Spirit of God pierces his heart and light comes in. Not light like we see out here, folks. The light of the world, Jesus Christ transformation through revelation we see it all through the scripture we see it over and over and over we see it through individuals like abraham where god gives him a revelation and through that revelation a nation is born we see it through individuals like gideon who had a revelation and and god spoke to him and he put the fleece out and the fleece through that he confirmed what he knew was true and he went out and did great things for god we look at king josiah who king josiah also god spoke to him through the word of god the word was lost in the temple they come out and say hey look what we found i think king josiah was like 16 years old opens it up tears his clothes and says we're disobeying god and suddenly there's a revival that moves through israel because of somebody's revelation and their obedience to what god's doing and saying into their lives you go on and on and on king david before he was a king was a little boy standing before a giant and he had to have a revelation that he knew that god was going to deliver you into my hand today even though he stood against impossible odds it's not possible it doesn't make sense people look at it and say how in the world can that happen you don't understand because god hadn't spoken to your heart about it you go through all of it. You can see the prophet in the valley of the dry bones standing there and God's promising, saying, I know Israel left me and went away and they disobeyed and they're gone. He says, I can bring them back. And he says, son of man, do you think these bones can live? God, only you know. This is an impossible situation. A bunch of dry bones. They're not even wet. There's not even a little bit of moisture of life back in these dry bones. He said, prophesy to them. Revelation. Give revelation to these bones and see if they don't live. And he gave revelation and he spoke to them and then he spoke again and the Spirit of God came and filled these bones into a mighty army and God said, I'm going to bring Israel back. You trust me. This impossible situation is not impossible. Our God is a God of transformation. And whatever situation it is that's impossible, you think may not be right, may not be good, may not be able to happen. It doesn't matter what addictions the person's had. It doesn't matter what it is. Listen, we've got to quit making excuses. We've got to quit trying to find ways to hide behind some kind of a false hopelessness. God is still in the business of changing lives. He wants to change lives, but we have to be ready to do it. Do you believe God can change lives? Do you believe it? 
I believe it today and I know that just through this spark of revelation, the very words I'm speaking to you today can be that spark just like it was for Pastor Sam from a pastor to come up and give his life to Christ. The words of hope I'm speaking to you today telling you that it's not over with. It's not hopeless. It's not something that God looks at you and says you're an impossible thing. God is not like everybody else in this world that looks down on you. He sees potential. He sees hope. He has a plan for you. A plan for hope and a future to prosper you. Bless God. That's how our God looks at us and that's how our God sees things he not only made light he brought good light a light of separation a light that would separate from darkness when we come to Christ and we come in here a hopeless mess there's hope that will shine into our lights into our lives and all of a sudden there's a separation between who I used to be and who I'm supposed to be today there is no more confusion a person must have revelation to understand their condition to realize they need a savior Nobody wants to change. Everybody wants to just stay as they are. I've always said we can have a religion. You don't have a religion where people don't have to change. Why well, have churches to be full of people? And people talk to me all the time. I don't know why they talk to me. I don't know why they come to me and say, Pastor, you know, for some reason I, I feel comfortable with you, so I'm going to tell you what I don't like about the church. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's my personality or what. People, I don't. I think it brainwashes people. This comes from men more than women. It brainwashes people, and I, don't, I personally, for one, don't want to change. I, everybody's trying to change me at church. Why can't I just go there? Because that's not God. An earth like this earth was before God's light shone into it was not good enough to have the life. It's not got order. You can't sustain life. It's not going to work out. It's just like going down into a bottom of a cave and trying to develop some kind of a community there. There's no light. You and I are not going to live there. There's a few uh, albino fish and bats. And even the bats have got to come out, folks. I never was sure what the albino fish ate, but I need to move on. Today, in closing, the Spirit of God is hovering over your life, waiting for your word. If Devin could just go ahead and come up. The Spirit of God is hovering over your life, waiting for your word. Romans 10 says this, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. Here's, here's the thing. What we read earlier in Romans, Paul says, look, there's no difference between the Jew and Gentile. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're all in a hopeless condition. All of us are in a bad place. But then he looks in here and he says, for there is no difference, again, between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. 
Everybody. There is no lost, hopeless cause. There is nobody that we can look at as too drunk, too high, too steeped in pornography or adultery or, or prostitution or however low we can go with things. We can look and say, that's an impossible situation. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. There is no difference. It's the same Lord, the same God, the same God that set Pastor Sam free from a life of horrible things that he dealt with is the same God that set Brett Holy Cross free, that told me, Pastor Bob, I was just raised in church my whole life and I, I didn't, it took me a long time to realize I really need to be saved. I just was always in church. It's the same God that, that led my wife who has always basically served God. It's the same Lord. There's no difference. Here's the difference. Here's, here's where the difference is. To start a transforming work, God looks at the world and he sees elements. He sees water. He sees dirt and mud and all the stuff that he begins with. An earth that looks hopeless that he looks at it and he says, okay, I'm going to use these elements. And when he spoke, light came quickly. Boom. Spirit of God hovering. And he said, let there be light. Spirit of God moves into action. Boom. Light. The difference between the elements, the light rays, the dirt, animals, trees, the difference between all those things and you and me is that we're made in God's image. That's the difference. When God speaks to elements, they have to move. When God speaks to trees and, 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 and animals and things, they have to move. But since he made us in his image, he gave us a will, a free will. And that's where this whole scripture comes from that says the word is in your mouth. You see, God's word spoke light into existence. The word of God, Jesus Christ, walked this earth and gave us revelation. Amen? But the word of salvation is in your mouth. Why? What does that mean? God says, I've called you. I want to transform you. I want you to be as putty in my hands. I want to change your life. I want to make you what I've designed you to be. I want to give you real life, life that's abundant. I want you to have order, not disorder. And I want your life to be full of light. But when it comes to mankind in creation, it requires cooperation. And mankind must have that word of submission that willingness to come in and bow his knee before him and say, Lord, I realize my hopeless condition and I need you to transform my life. And at that moment, change begins. Not a week later, not two weeks or a month later, immediately you become a child of God set free from the bondages of sin. You want to talk about something extreme. It's extreme for a mighty God to be able to treat elements like He does and to do a work. It's way more amazing. Way far beyond that, way more amazing. For one who has a will to rebel or to obey. One that is impure, that God can take that impure thing and make it pure and holy and righteous, even in its unrighteousness. We serve a transforming God. And salvation 
is day one. Salvation is step one. Step one of, 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 of a, a makeover like you wouldn't believe. A transformation by the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me today? It's easy again to look into situations and say that's hopeless. And some of you, it may be such a thing to say, I need Jesus Christ, I need salvation. And you say, Pastor Bob, that's me. I I need to have that word in my mouth. I need to say it and I need to repent. And some some of us, others of us in here have been going to church our whole life. We've been saved a long time. But what is it that God's calling you to do? Where is he taking you? Have we, have, we, have we developed so far and stopped? Have we accepted Christ and said, that's good enough. I've got my ticket to heaven. I don't have to go to hell now, so I'm good. I mean, what is it that he wants to do further in your life? Brother Chuck, I said this in the first service. His makeover is complete. Well, almost complete. He's not completely complete because his body's still on the ground, but there's going to be a day that it's going to be complete. Listen, our God is a constant transformation in our lives. As long as there's breath in your lungs and breath in my lungs and I'm alive and my eyes are open and I'm living, God is doing a work in me. What work is He doing in you? What has He called you to? It's time for us, church, to quit not only looking at our situations as impossible or other people's situations as impossible, it's time for us to quit looking at our schools as impossible. Young people, don't look at your school as impossible and make an excuse. God wants to transform it. There's nations and, and, and things that God has transformed all throughout history. He can hit a school. Adults, He can hit workplaces. Quit going in there and say, oh, these wretched people, I'm sick of the conversation, I'm sick of all this stuff. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's impossible. My workplace is impossible. These people are just impossible. i got to find a new job. This is driving me crazy. Whoa, no, you don't. No, you need to shed some light of revelation into that place. What has God called you to do in your workplace? It's not impossible. God's way bigger than that. So what is it that needs to be touched by God's hand today? Is it your soul? Is it a situation? And if you don't know, these altars are going to be open to just come seek Him and we'll seek Him with you. But if you bow your heads quickly, Father, we just pray for those that are in this room, Lord. Stir our hearts to believe once again that you really do change lives. Stir our hearts once again to believe and understand that you can heal bodies. That you are a God of transformation. That if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Lord, I believe that. I know that, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see how we need to do this transformation, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Bob, I need to give my life to Christ. I know that word of confession is in my mouth. I know I need to do that today. And while heads are bowed, nobody's going to be looking at you. Just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor Bob, that's me. Would you pray with me? I need to be saved. I need Jesus Christ. It's not a place of judgment at all. How many of you would say, Pastor Bob, I've got some hopeless situations that God needs to put his hand on? Just simply raise your hand this morning with me. If that's you, you say, I need God to touch this hopeless situation and I need him to speak some revelation to my heart. And so this revelation will begin to change some things either in me or in this situation. There's several hands up. Is there anybody else? Man, what we're going to do
you raised your hand this morning, I'm going to have you come up here and stand with me. Just line up here across the front. I'm going to pray with you and others are going to join you. And we're going to just ask God to do that miraculous work and to begin to do something so that even soon, even tomorrow or the next day, we begin to see some change. Amen? Because when God shines revelation on a situation, He's got a purpose for it. When He speaks to a man about his, what His will is, there's a purpose for it and He's going to carry it out. If they would lead us in some song, would you please just come so we can lay hands on you? And prayer partners, when they get up here, don't hesitate. Just come up and join us and begin praying with them if you would.